Hey everybody, my name is David Malley, and I started a story slam called Everyday Short Stories. And I used to love, and I still love, listening to people's stories on public radio. The first story slam was called Jobs, or the topic was Jobs. And we had six or seven people come up and tell stories. And I told a few because I have a lot of great stories about when I was younger and some of the jobs I had. The first story actually comes from me, and I told a story about the first time I saved someone's life. So check it out. My name's David Malley. Um, I'm starting a little storytelling event called Everyday Short Stories. Yeah. Thank you. What I always loved was my dad having a couple uh, Manhattans in him, telling a story about growing up in Brooklyn in the 1940s. So, um, you know, simple stories about, you know, the first car he got or um, his sister working at a, at a, a Pepsodent uh, factory and never brushing his teeth, you know, stuff like that that I always found really fascinating and kind of interesting and just kind of every day. And I love listening to my friends' stories. So I thought, what a great thing to try to get uh, people to do is to come up and just tell a story you've told your spouse a million times or your friends a thousand times. You know, the story that everybody's kind of sick of hearing. But the story that you've told so many times, you could just come up and tell it. So that's why we're here. And so for the first uh, event, I decided to just do a simple jobs uh, storytelling. So it could be something that's kind of related to jobs, something that is inspired by jobs. Um, and, I've, and that gave me time to pause and think about my jobs that I've had in the past. And one of the stories my wife, well, many of the stories my wife hears about all the time is the t my lifeguarding and sailing uh, teaching experience. And to start this off, I thought about the first time I ever saved someone's life. So I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, which is a, um, a obviously if you know Columbus or Ohio, it's a very landlocked um, little area. And when you lifeguard, you're mostly lifeguarding pools. So, and all the pool lifeguarding stories are the same. An older kid convinces a younger kid to jump off the diving board when he doesn't know how to swim. Pretty much like a brother or cousin. So the very first time I did it, I was uh, about 16 years old. Um, it was about eight o'clock at night. The pool was getting ready to close. This brother convinced his little six-year-old brother to jump off the diving board and the kid does, and I look down, and he's just bobbing in the water, just, just bobbing in the water, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird, you know. And then uh, I look up, and I look around, and I look back down, and the little kid's still just sitting there, bobbing in the water. <laughs> so I go, oh, he's, he's drowning. I better do something. And I jump out, and I grab him and pull him out, and he's totally fine. And I'm like, you okay? Yep. So that was the first time I ever saved someone's life, was just a little kid being dared to jump off a diving board. Um, I'm going to tell you one more story of me saving somebody's life. Um, so I was about 22 years old. I was managing a sailing program in um, Columbus, Ohio. And the program was a Discover Boating program. We'd have kids anywhere from the ages of 9 to about 13 come and take lessons Monday through Friday. Um, so this was a Monday. I have uh, three little girls in my boat. We're out sailing. We're having fun. The girls are learning. And one of the girls looks over and she says, I don't think that guy knows how to sail very well. 
and I look over and there's this kind of really big guy on a boat called a laser. Uh, a laser is about a 12 and a half foot boat, about this thick, has what they call a dagger board. It, it's just a very fast, responsive, tiny boat. And this guy keeps falling in and out and keeps tipping the boat over. I don't think anything of it. I just think, you know, he's out here. It's kind of a hot day. Maybe he's just having fun. Another little girl points out that he's not wearing a life jacket. And I go, oh, that's kind of interesting. So we go through the whole safety thing about why aren't you wearing a life jacket? And what if, the, what if you get hit in the head? Then, then you're going to drown because, you know, regardless of how good of a swimmer you are, if you're unconscious, you know, it's not good. So we, we go on sailing and we're talking and then one of the little girls points at the guy and says, uh, I don't think he's doing that well. And I look over and there's a guy in the middle of the reservoir on his back, just floating like this on his back. So I instruct the little girls to swim, sail over to him. We sail over to him. I say, you okay? And the guy goes, yeah, I can't swim. So I'm like, oh. So I go into lifeguard mode. I take off my life jacket. I throw it to him. It lands within about a foot of him. He kind of looks at it. He goes, yeah, I, I can't get that. And I start to see his eyes opening and panicking. So I jump out of the boat, and I'm yelling to the little girls, okay, just sail that way. <laughs> and they're laughing, and they go off sailing. Well, one of the things we had done as, as a, a program is we had somebody, a lifeguard, stay on the dock with a motorized boat, you know, for emergencies. So by the time I'd actually gotten in the water and was swimming to this guy, uh, my other, my instructor, John, was already at the, with the guy, and we both got him out of the water and, and saved him. And what I found funny was that the guy never said thank you. And from the other yacht club that he was, that he had borrowed the boat, nobody came over and said thank you. We even went and got their boat that was going down the reservoir. And, and returned it to him, and nobody said thank you. And I remember being, like, kind of miffed, you know, like, you know, what the hell? Save this guy's life, doesn't say thank you, nobody from the yachting club says thank you? That's not cool. But the next day, one of the parents comes up and says, hey, are you the guy who saved that real big guy without a life jacket? And I go, yeah, it was me. And then uh, later that day when they come to pick up, another parent says, hey, did you really save someone's life yesterday? I'm like, yeah, well, me and John, we, yeah, we saved him. I'm like, that's really cool. And, and it just kept building. So by the end of the week, when we had what we call Parents' Day, the parents could come and, and take, uh, the kids could take them out on their sailboats and show the parents how much they've learned. Every parent knew the story. And every parent recited the story back to me. <laughs> and every parent was like, yeah, I need a life jacket before I go out. So it was, so was kind of cool. And you know, it was kind of a neat little learning experience and, and, and to see these kids really embrace that. So. That's, the, I think, the last time I may have actually saved someone. I wanted to give a shout-out to one of our biggest supporters, McLeod's Ale Brewery Company, located in Van Nuys. Not only do they brew their own fantastic British ale, they're really establishing themselves as part of the community in Van Nuys. They host everyday short stories, yoga classes, bagpipe lessons, a dart league, and game nights. People don't just come to drink their fantastic beer, they come to be part of the wonderful community that the owners have created. Come for the ale and stay for the community.
Okay, so our next story comes from Hillary, who tells us a story about going to a music conference, a really famous one called NAM, and this poor gentleman that she encounters. So give it a listen, and I hope you enjoy. My name is Hillary McClarty, and my story is called The Man on the Floor. I sell advertising for a music magazine. I didn't start off this way uh, exactly. Uh, I uh, actually graduated college and wanted to find something to do that I didn't have to get, I didn't have to do anything, I just get money. <laughs> and that didn't work out very well. <laughs> so plan B was find something that I wanted to do that uh, I would do anyway for free, but I would also get paid. So that led me to many paths, um, advertising agencies, film work, record labels, and finally to selling advertising. So this story takes place in Anaheim, California, this year, and it takes place at a convention called the NAMM Show. For those of you that don't know, it's the National Association of Music Merchants, and it's people who make everything for musicians and recording. Everything from picks to recording equipment to amps to microphones to cheap music, five football fields of this stuff. It happens in four days in January, and uh, if you wanted to see every single booth, you'd need about five days. So you have to work quickly and be selective. So because I work for this music magazine, and because of the way that I sell ads, which is very personal, um, I like to get to know people. I like to get to know what they do, what they want, what they need. And um, I try to interest them in what I have. And if it fits, then I make an ad sale. And uh, I try not to lie to people. Lying is not in my playbook. I often tell people, if I had a crystal ball to tell me what would work and what wouldn't work in advertising, we'd all be very wealthy. But I don't have that. So all I have is kind of a gut instinct and uh, a personal relationship with people. So I go to this convention. And by the way, at this convention, the bar opens at 10 AM. and. Um, it's a lot of rock musicians, a lot of engineers, producers, musicians, studio owners, studio um, managers, lots of rock stars, and uh, it gets pretty rowdy. And um, I myself don't, um, don't do that, but um, I understand why people do. So I'm here at the NAMM show, and I cannot hear. I cannot hear because there's guitars plugged in amps, there's people singing in microphones, there's people talking very loud, there's lectures going on about recording equipment. It's so loud. All I can do is go outside at brief intervals. And um, did I mention it rained that year, this year. It was a rainstorm. But I had to go outside anyway. It was very important that I do that. And so, I'm trying to make my way through this convention, and my boss is texting me about every 20 minutes, saying, did you see this person? Did you see that person? And finally, he texts me and says, by the way, um, Molly called, and she said she wants to place an ad. So I 
get this text, I run over to Starbucks, I find a place where I can actually talk on the phone, I call her at her studio, and they say, oh no, Molly's not here. She won't be back till Monday, this is Friday. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is not good because the magazine's going to the printer on Monday, so I've got to get it together today. How am I going to do this? Suddenly the thought crossed my mind. Maybe she's coming to Anaheim, to the NAMM show. So I say, is she coming to the NAMM show? They said, oh yeah, she's driving down there. So I get her cell phone, I call her up. She says, yeah, I'll be there. Um, we agree to meet at 4 o'clock in a hotel in back of a bar. So I suddenly realized I don't know what she looks like, so I'd be looking for someone I didn't know. So I call her back and I say, um, how will I find you? She said, oh, I'm wearing a hat. And I said, oh, good, I'm wearing a hat too. So that worked out really well. <laughs> and <laughs> so if she finally gets there and we're sitting on this, on this bench and we're talking, we'd never met before. She's telling me about her studio. It's very large. It can record an orchestra. Uh, talking about her clients, the kind of people that um, that come there. And we're sitting there just having this little chat, and all of a sudden, right in front of us, this guy goes, boom! He just falls down on the ground. And we're sort of looking at each other going, what is going on? And we're in slow motion, and but people around us are not as slow. They come running up to the guy, they're picking him off the ground, they're picking his glasses up, you know, he'd spilled his drink. Um, he's getting up and all of a sudden he starts going, leave me alone, you faggots, don't touch me, leave me alone. And yelling at these people and they're all kind of backing away and kind of uh, wondering what was going on. And as people were walking away, they were saying, yeah, the guy's like really drunk. So we look at each other, Molly and I, and we say, wow, you know, that's really sad. And both of us have known people in the music industry that have crashed and burned in this way. And um, it's not a pretty picture. So we get back to what we're talking about. Um, we end our conversation. And I'd like to say that after we left that day, um, we became good friends, that we chatted on the phone, that we went to coffee, that we went to shows together. But it really wasn't like that. It was an ad sale, half-page ad for February 2017. Thanks for listening to Everyday Short Stories. I'm your host, David. This last episode was about jobs, and I hope you enjoyed it. So check it out. If you really liked it, I'd say go to my YouTube channel or my Facebook page or even my website, everydayshortstories.com, and give us some love. And don't forget to tell your everyday short stories.